What are you afraid of? Today, what are you afraid of? Maybe you're afraid that the economy is going to change, that there's going to be hard times, or, or you'll have a loss of income, maybe a loss of a job. Uh, is that the thing that you're afraid of? Or maybe it's the threat from a violent world, maybe some country, maybe it's going to be China or Russia or somebody else, maybe some other group, they're going to threaten us or they're going to hurt us and maybe take away our rights. Is that what you're afraid of? Or maybe it's an evil world that's becoming more evil, more sinister all the time. Oh, the things that they are doing, the things that they might do, is that what you're afraid of? Or maybe you're afraid of your health failing. And maybe it's some diagnosis, some incurable disease, some terrible sickness, and that has you upset worrying about that. Or maybe you're afraid of dying. Uh, whatever the cause, the fact, the reality that you could die, that is the truth. Is that what you're afraid of? Or maybe worse than that, maybe one of our loved ones, one of your loved ones, they could die. Are you afraid of death? Is that what you're afraid of? Are you afraid of things that are outside of your control, things that, that your hands seem like they're tied and there's nothing you can do and it seems so helpless? What are you afraid of? Well, folks, friends, this morning, I want to tell you, our fears actually shape us. Now, this is an important thing to think about. Our fears actually shape us. They shape what we do. They shape how we think. They shape what we will attempt. They shape how we will respond to certain situations. They even, they even shape how we will hope. The things that we fear, those things actually shape us. Seniors today, things are changing for you. Some things will never be the same. Things are going to be forever different. And my question for you is, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of uncertain times of a change that's getting ready to take place? Are you afraid of the future? What are you afraid of? Because what we are afraid of actually starts to shape us. Well, I want to tell you this morning, I have a crazy message. I have a radical message. Really, it is an unheard of message in our day. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're going to be able to hear it today. Are you listening this morning? Are you ready this morning? Listen to me. In Jesus, we have nothing to fear. And I want to be loud in that, and I want to be clear in that, and I want to be sure in that. Listen to me. In Jesus, we have nothing to fear. Now, that's not some pie-in-the-sky religious rhetoric, what some preacher ought to say. It is the truth. In Jesus Christ, we have nothing, not one thing, that we are to fear. Today, we're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, in our study, if you've been participating, God is speaking. I think that's a, an awesome, evident thing. God is speaking. Well, he's going to continue to speak to us today. Today, our message is entitled, Do Not Be Afraid. Do Not Be Afraid. We're in Revelation chapter 1 today, verses 17 and 18. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Do not be afraid. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, God's word says this, when I saw him, I fell 
at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful that today we have a hope. I'm thankful today that we have a truth that stands. We have a foundation that we can build upon. I'm thankful today that we have an anchor that will hold and not be pulled up in the storms of life. Lord, I come and I, I pray as we begin to, to hear your word today, I pray that you would speak. I pray it would be a, a tremendous thing, a supernatural thing. I pray that we'd be shaped, not in our fears, but in the truth of your word. I pray for these seniors today as they hear this. I pray that it would not just be a thing to sit through and endure, but they would be impacted by the truth of your word, as would all of us. Lord, I pray for somebody here that does not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the good news of a risen Savior, in the hope of Jesus, that this very day that they might be saved, that any hindrance would be removed, and today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and we tell you we love you. We praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The last couple of weeks, as we have started our study, I have marveled at Jesus. Now, really, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it was going to play out. But as, as we've marched through our study, I have really marveled at Jesus. As we've looked at the start to this book, I have been astonished, even blown away by our Savior, Jesus. Let me just tell you, last week, I'm going to be very honest with you, was one of my favorite sermons I've ever preached. And I go back and I listen to part of that again. What a Savior we have. What a Savior we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to tell you, today is the same. We're going to be blown away by Jesus today. We're going to see our Savior Jesus today. Today, notice this, our world in all of its craziness. Now, you can watch the news and you can see things. You know what? We never expected that to happen. We never thought it'd be like that. We see crazy things going on. You can watch the news and you see our world is becoming overcome by fear. And this group's upset and that group's upset and this group really, we're all striking out in fear. Our world is becoming overcome with fear. Well, I'll tell you, even in the church, even as believers, we are becoming gripped by fear. And you just watch, you go around with people today and you listen to folks and we say, what if? Well, what if that? What if, what if another pandemic comes? What if the world does this? What if the government does that? What if? What if? What if? And we need to be and we need to get grounded in the reality that as believers in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Sometimes I think about that. You know what? We're, we're really bulletproof as Christians. Really, there's no bad end for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to, as we walk through the daily things of life, we need to understand as followers of Christ, we have nothing to be afraid of. Last week, we read John, the Apostle John, is on the island of Patmos, a prison island. On that prison island, he hears 
a voice. The Bible says it's like the blast of a trumpet. The Bible says it is like that of many waters. And he turns to see who it is. So he's on this prison island. He's there for the testimony, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says on the Lord's day, he hears a voice and he turns to see who it is. Now, when he does, he sees that it is Jesus. Now, I, I can't really top the description that the Bible gives us, so I'll just read it again. Revelation chapter 12 through verse 16. <clears throat> then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. Man, I'd like to preach that sermon again. His head and his hair were white like wool, white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Okay, so in our verses, he tells the reader what he saw. He looks over his shoulder. He sees Jesus. He sees the Christ. And he tells us exactly what he saw. Well, today as we move forward, he now tells us his response. We know what he saw. He's told us that. He's described it to us. Well, now he tells us his response. All right, we're going to start in verse 17 today. <clears throat> verse 17 starts off, and it says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Now, in the original language, it says, it actually reads, as though dead. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, the word for fell here in the original language, it means to thrust down. It means to be prostrated. It means to really drop down, to fall down, and to be flat. And so see the picture this morning. John turns, and he looks over his shoulder, and there he sees Jesus, and it's in all of his glory. His glory is no longer shielded. It's no longer shrouded. And so he sees Jesus in all of his glory, and John says he drops on the ground as though he were dead. Now, what does that mean? Well, like a dead man, he's not talking. So he's laying on the ground. He's not talking. He's not trying to say something. Like a dead man, he's not moving about. He's not doing any of the things that people speculate that they would do. But in awe and in fear, he sees Jesus and he drops down. The Bible says, as though dead. Friends, I want you to be sure of something right here. Jesus is awesome. I want you to be sure of that. Listen to me. Jesus is awesome. I think sometimes we get so used to the idea of Jesus and we've talked so long about Jesus that somehow we become commonplace with the idea of Jesus. Listen to me. Our Savior is awesome. Jesus is awesome. And just turning and seeing the glorified Jesus, John falls on the ground as dead. Listen to me. Jesus is awesome. 
He's awesome. Let me read the verse, verse 17. <clears throat> and when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. At this point, as the verse unfolds, as the account, these two verses, continues to unfold, I want to point out this morning, this is going to become the focus of our message today, I want to point out why John and why the early church, this church under persecution, and why we today have nothing to fear. And I believe that's what we're seeing. I believe that's what Jesus is saying here as he speaks. And so I want us to see why John had no reason to fear, why the church that would receive these letters, why they had no reason to fear, and why we today as believers have nothing to fear. All right, here we go. Let's start. First, we have nothing to fear because Jesus is God. That's the first thing. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is is God. Jesus says there in verse 17, do not be afraid. He is the first and the last. Now, he has already spoken these words. He has already made this clear to us. He is, Jesus is the first and he is the last. He is before all and he is after all. He says he is the alpha and he is the omega. Now, remember what that means is he is eternal God. He is all-powerful as the creator of all things. He is responsible for all things as the sustainer of all things. He knows all things. He is able to do all things. He has all wisdom because he's the first. He's not going to become overcome or defeated because he is the last. He is infinite, eternal God. I want you to hear that. I want you to listen to that. We have nothing to fear today because our Christ, our Savior, Jesus, is eternal God. He's eternal God. Can you hear him? John's laying there. He's, he's laying on the ground as though dead. And he says, do not fear, do not fear. I am the first and I am the last. It is settled in me. He is eternal God. Now that's awesome. It's going to get better. If you believe me, it's going to get better. <clears throat> he keeps going. Second point we see is this. We have, this is awesome. <laughs> we have nothing to fear because Jesus is kind to us. Maybe you didn't expect that one. Jesus says, eternal God, we have nothing to fear. Listen, the second one is this. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is kind to us. Now, let's dig deeper here in the verse. John is there on the ground as though dead. And, and, and John reports, and he placed his right hand on me. Now, this is very profound. This is very telling. This is very deep. He's laying there on the ground. He sees it's Jesus, and he placed his right hand on me. 
I want you to see that. The amazing, awesome Christ of the previous verses, not, not just the ones we read today, the ones that we read before that, the awesome, amazing Christ of the previous verses, the creator God, the eternal God, the one who is the righteous judge, the one who is the reigning Christ, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Remember last week we saw that his right hand, that's the hand of might, that's the hand of authority. He takes that same hand, the creator God of all things, the one that rules in might with his right hand, he takes that same hand and he touches John. Isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that just like Jesus got himself? And he comes for the one sheep that's lost and afraid. Isn't that just like God? He knows all things, but he knows the one that's afraid and hurting. Isn't that just like Jesus? To me, I'll just tell you, that's the conundrum of Jesus. God Almighty, kind to sinners. Remember last week, I said John saw Jesus, but he was not like he remembered. Now, it had been 60 years since he had last seen Jesus. He saw him crucified. He saw him resurrected. He saw him ascend to glory. It had been 60 years, but when he saw Jesus, this time he was not the same. He was different. He was now unveiled in all of his glory, now shone forth in all of his glory. And so when he looks back, it's not as he remembered, but I want to tell you today, but at the same time, it was just like he remembered. And so he looks back and he sees Jesus unveiled in his glory, and it's not like it was. But at the same time, it's just like it was. And the one who sat on the edge of a well with a woman that the world had forgotten, the one who healed the leper, the one that the world had cast off, don't come near to us. The one who looked up in a tree and a wee little tax collector and said, oh, come down, I must needs go to your house today. The one who stopped and healed helpless blind Bartimaeus, giving him the ability to see, isn't this just like our Jesus, the ruling hand God Almighty, also has a hole pierced through it in the cross of Calvary. He reaches out for John. I want to tell you today, we have nothing to fear because Jesus is kind to us. Are you sure of that? Listen, listen. there's, there's a lot of folks that want to paint Jesus in a different light, and he's upset, and he's this, and he's that. And he's here and he's, he's going to do all these things. I want to tell you, the, 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 the awesome thing about the grace of God is in the person of Jesus, he is kind to us. Jesus is kind to us as sinners. We have nothing to fear. Jesus is kind to us. All right, we're going to keep going. It's going to get better. If you believe me, it's going to get better. This one's too much. Next one is this. We have nothing to fear. Woo, listen. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is the living one. We have nothing to fear 
because Jesus is the living one. Verse 18, Jesus says, and the living one. I am the first and the last and the living one. Now, let me tell you this morning, I'm not sure that this is not the greatest title of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of great titles for Jesus, but I'm not sure this isn't the greatest title for us of Jesus. He is the living one. I want you to see this today. Jesus is the holy Christ of last week, different than all others, because he is the living one. Jesus is the resting Christ of last week because he has paid for sin, he has died our death, and he now lives again. He is the living one. He is the eternal Christ of last week, and that is incumbent upon the truth that death did not defeat him, and the grave did not hold him, and he is the living one. He is the all-powerful Christ of last week. He's stronger even than death, and it is clearly, and it is loudly shouted because he is the living one. He is the deciding Christ of last week because in his death and now in his life, all judgment has been given to him by the Father, and he is the living one. He is the illuminating Christ of last week because his light The world doesn't overcome it. The world doesn't conquer it. And he stands and his light shines in a dark world because he stands as the living one. Friends, I want you to be sure this morning. Our peace is settled. Our hope is fixed. Our future is secure. Our joy is full our fears unfounded because of our Savior Jesus is the living one. I think about that. He lives, he lives. My voice is bad enough already. It's worse today. Christ Jesus lives today. Listen, our hope is that he's alive. We have redemption because he's alive. We have a future because he's alive. Everything has changed because he is alive. He's the living one. We're not done. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is God. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is kind to us. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is the living one. Next is this. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is the good news. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is the good news. Verse 18, Jesus continues. And I was dead, and behold... I am alive. He says, I'm the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive. The word for behold here, we've come across it several times. The word for behold is a shout. It is a call. It means look, see. It means be certain of. He says, behold, I was dead. Behold, I am alive. Now, I was thinking about that. What is that? What is that? That's our gospel. Isn't that our gospel? That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus died our death. He actually physically, literally died 
our death. Jesus paid for our sin in his death, and he lives again in victory. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know what the good news of Jesus is? It's he died for your sin. He's taken your shame. He's settled your guilt. It's finished in him. He's placed in a grave. And three days later, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the risen victor. That's how we're saved, by faith in him. That is the good news. Remember in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says the gospel of Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried, and three days later, he lives again according to the scriptures. Get this. Jesus says, do not be afraid because I am the good news. I want you to get this. Today, we do not have to look for good news. And I know folks, and they're, they're, they're looking around trying to find good news. Well, these seven things are bad, but maybe this is a good thing. Well, they're looking around for good news. We do not have to look for good news. We do not have to create good news. We do not have to manufacture good news. We don't have to wonder if there even is good news because Jesus is the good news. Remember back to our study in John, and we saw... Why do we preach Jesus? Why is Jesus central to all we do? And we saw in the study of John, to preach the good news, we preach Jesus. And that's what the church does. I don't have to come and make up a bunch of sermons. I don't have to tell you a bunch of things that make you feel good. If you want to know the good news, I preach Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Well, Jesus says, there is nothing to fear. I don't know what you're seeing out there, but if you look at me, you'll see good news. I can't help but picture, some of y'all older folks, y'all remember this, my old granny, I can't help but picture her at the kitchen sink, she had a big old apron put on, she had those big old rubber gloves, she was making her hands stay nice, I guess, she had those big old rubber gloves, she's washing dishes there at the sink. And I remember being four years old and six years old and two years old. I remember her there at that sink and she's looking out that kitchen window. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I don't know what she saw out that window. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Listen, not one thing. Not one thing. Jesus is the good news. Goes on, keeps going. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is immortal. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is immortal. Verse 18, Jesus goes on and he says, I was dead in his own sacrifice, at his own volition, in the payment for sin, Jesus died. Listen, he didn't, he didn't act like he was dead. It didn't seem like he was dead. He actually, literally, died our death paying for sin. And so at his own sacrifice, in his own volition, in the payment for sin, Jesus died. He said, I was dead, and behold, I am alive, but he adds a word to it. He says, forevermore. I am alive, see it. But then he adds the word, forevermore. It literally translates to the ages. 
Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. I am alive to the ages. I want you to hear that. He touches John there and he says, I am alive to the ages. I can't help but get excited when I think about that. You may not believe it, but I can't help but get excited when I think about that. I want you to understand something. And boy, maybe we need to write this down. We need to be sure to remember this. Understand this. There is no time. There is no time. No hard time. No unforeseen time. No dark time. No coming time. There is no time when Jesus will not be alive. He's alive in all the ages. I want to tell you something. I, I, I'll go back and, and think about this. The Roman Empire, they won't conquer him. That's what he's telling John. The Roman Empire won't conquer me. You know what? They'd already killed him. He's back. You can't stop him. The Roman Empire won't conquer him. The ploys of Satan won't foil him. The grave will never again see him because Jesus is the ever-living one. He is immortal. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Our hope, listen to me, our Savior, our Lord Jesus, he is the ever-living one. He is immortal. We have nothing to fear. Last one's this. We're about done. Last one's this. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is Savior. Praise the Lord. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is Savior. Last verse 18 says this. I and I have the keys of death and of Hades. I live forevermore. I'm the living one. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now, what does that mean? Do you know the greatest fear of man is death? All cultures, all ages. The greatest fear of man is death. Now, I want you to think about that. Do you know most of our other fears trace their way back and end up in a fear of death? Do you know most of our other fears, if we'll track them back, they'll end up in a fear of death? Well, I'm worried about a bad economy. You know why? Because you don't want to starve and die. Well, I'm worried about an invading army. You know why? Because you don't want to be overtaken and die. Well, I'm worried about a health, a sickness. You know why? You don't want to die. I'm scared of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. You know why? Because you might think that includes death. In this day, the greatest fear of the persecuted church, it for sure could have been death. Man, John should have been scared. He's on a prison island. His greatest fear could have been death. Today, a faithful witness, our, our great fear, it might be death. But Jesus says, I am eternal God. And I am kind to sinners. And I am the living one. And I am the good news, and I am the ever-living one. And in my hands are the keys of death and Hades. Now stay with me. Let's look at this. Keys are for locking and unlocking. 
That's what keys are for. Keys are for locking and unlocking. And so the first thing, Jesus says death. He has the key to death. Now what that means is he can lock and he can unlock death. He can set us free from death. He can unlock the chains of death. Oh, what if I die? Oh, what if my loved ones die? Oh, I hate the pain of separation. Oh, I don't know if we're ready for that. Jesus can unlock the key, the chains of death. John chapter 11, Jesus explains it like this. Verses 25 and 26. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Friends, I want you to understand today, Jesus is the only one who can say that. Nobody else can say that. Jesus is the only one that can say that. If you believe in me, you shall never die. Jesus is the giver of life, and in him and in him alone, there is eternal life. And so Jesus comes along and says, I know that you're scared. I know that you're terrified. I know that this hurts. But he says, don't be scared. I've got the keys. Remember back Paul, he says, to live is Christ. To live is joy. It's good. It's fine. And to die is gain. It's good as well. It's joy also. That's why he says it. He knows the one that holds the key to death. He also says the key to Hades. Now, Hades is the Greek word for hell. Later in Revelation, it's described as a lake of fire. Later in Revelation, it's described as the final home for the beast, for the false prophet, and for Satan himself. The Bible says, in truth, It'll be the final destination for unbelievers. Those that have rejected Christ, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, this will be their final destination. Do you know God, Jesus rules over all things? Now, I want to, I want to take that all the way to, to walking it out here today. Satan doesn't rule over hell. Sometimes we think, well, Satan rules over hell. That's his dominion. Satan rules over hell. Let me tell you something today. He doesn't rule over hell. He's cast into it. He's locked into it. He's chained to it. He doesn't rule hell. It's his punishment. Jesus rules even over hell. He holds the key. And we ought to know today Satan is defeated. And the victory is held. The victory is kept. The victory is secure in the one who holds the key even to hell. And even the power of Satan falls short. No ploy of Satan can stand because Jesus even holds the key to hell. Jesus holds the keys. There's nothing to fear. Let me wrap all this up this morning. In Christ, some of y'all are older, some of y'all are raising kids, some of y'all got grandkids, some of y'all are going through different spots of transition, some of y'all are just starting out. Listen to me. In Christ, we have nothing to fear. In Christ, you have nothing to fear. In Christ, you have nothing to fear. Well, what if, what if, what if? In Christ, you have nothing to fear. But I want to tell you the flip side of that. But outside of Christ, let me tell you something. You have nothing to hope. 
Outside of Christ, you have nothing to hope. And you think this world's dark now. You think things are terrible now. I want to tell you, you can do all the things you set out to do. You can get all the jobs and all the, all the esteem. You can marry all the people you think you ought to marry. You can put together all the stuff. But I want to tell you this, outside of Christ, there is no hope. Outside of Christ, there's no hope. And so listen, I'm talking to all of you, and I'm talking to these seniors. Chase what only matters, Christ. Draw close to what matters, Christ. Walk in your faith of Christ. Listen, you're going to go pursue an education. Get educated in Christ. Pursue what matters. Only Christ will matter. Outside of Christ, there's nothing to hope. There's nothing to hope. Listen to me, friends. We have nothing to fear. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. During Father, we come. And I'm thankful for a hope that endures. I'm thankful for a peace that stands. I'm thankful for a Savior that's not defeated. I'm thankful for an all-powerful, eternal God, Savior, Jesus, who stands as the ever-living one. Praise the Lord. Lord, I pray that I would draw closer to you. I pray that I would walk closely with you. I pray that I, I would grow in my faith. I pray that we will be proclaimers of that faith. I pray for these students here today, oh, that they would see at an early age, one thing matters, one thing stands. Help them, lead them. Lord, I pray for us as parents in the process, help us, guide them. Help us see what only one thing matters, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you've been pleased in this message. I pray that you've spoken through it. I pray that you continue to speak. And I pray for a couple of decisions. Lord, I pray for for folks, again, to see the, the way and the truth and the life and to draw close to Jesus. I, I pray for some that are lost to trust you today for the very first time. Lord, we're thankful for your graciousness, kindness shown to us. That though we were helpless, lost in our sin, you humbled yourself and came, taking the form of a man, but not just a man, a bondservant. And humbled yourself to the point of death, but not just death, death on a cross. You reach out, the powerful ruling hand of all creation, to nail in it from a cross, and you reach out to us. Lord, we love you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, we end by just praising you and worshiping you. We exalt you, our living one, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, it truly is the most important time of our service our time to respond to the truth of God's preached word. And I want to tell you, there's a couple of things you can do right here. First is this, if you don't know Christ, turn to him today. He loves you today. He's died, he's paid for your sin. He offers you the forgiveness of your sin right now. He's carried your guilt, your shame. He's taken it to the cross. He's settled it. If you'll trust him today, he'll save you. Some of you today need to do that for the first time. Say, I understand who Jesus is. And I trust him as my Lord and my Savior. Claim Jesus, he'll save you today. Forgive you today. Restore you. Renew you today. Do that today. There's some of us here, we've made that decision, but you know what? We hear this, and our response is saying, well, I'm sorry I get so distracted. I'm sorry I get so pulled into the, to the silly things that aren't going to matter. And our, our, our response today is to repent, saying, well, I want to get back in line with Christ, and I want to walk more closely with Christ. Maybe that's your response. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision, but you need to fall on believer's baptism. You come, we'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home. 
and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come together. We'll uphold his word. We'll preach his good news until he comes back and gets us. Maybe you want to come, parents, maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Seniors, maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. We're not in a hurry to be anywhere. I'm going to ask that you pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.